Welcome to the Top Order Podcast, another packed schedule this week. We're of course going to talk some IPL, but we're going to start with turmoil in South Africa. We'll touch upon the county championship spin playing a part early on and a little bit more all coming up on this episode of the Top Order Podcast coming up very, very soon. Stay tuned. So we're going to start this week in cricket before we get into turmoil in South Africa. A big shout out to our very own universe boss, Raj Reddy. He's not with us this evening, feeling a little bit under the weather. So get well soon um, to Raj. But Baldi, I'm going to come to you first. So cricket South Africa in even more trouble than when we first spoke to Fado's Munda, what, a couple of months or so ago. Her um, comments turning out to be pretty prophetic. Absolutely, and Fidos Munda's coverage of the of the breakdown of South African cricket uh, is broken down beautifully in an article published on on the Crick Info. Uh, so, if you want to read more about what exactly what's happening, and if you want to follow the convoluted series of mess that is the breakdown of the administration of South African cricket, I urge you to jump on to Crick Info and, and read her article. But effectively, uh, the sports minister um, has derecognised the the administration of cricket in South Africa um, and once that that article is published in the government gazette cricket South Africa will no longer be recognized as the national governing body in in cricket in that country uh, which has implications for not only its ability to govern internally but also the ICC's edict that governments should not interfere with the running of cricket in the individual host nations. So it's so, a massive so news. Is that what would happen, that the government would take over the the governing of South Africa? Uh, so the intent is, th- at the moment, there is still a way out. So the, the current board and members council would need to accept um, uh, Matithwa's uh, ultimatum, effectively, that they would need to ac- um, accept his organisation of the administration and that has many implications one of which is a majority of independent board members so the 14 provinces would have less power effectively under that regime Mm. um, and potentially that's uh, you know has some implications so they're yet to accept that if that recommendation is published in the government's gazette all the dominoes start to fall at that point and I don't understand at this point, all the implications of that, but potentially it could mean that the national sides can't play cricket at that point and that there's no administration for cricket in South Africa. That's the worst-case scenario that we're looking at in the next few weeks. When are they next due to play? Because I get, I think they've got a bit of time on their side, right? Because we're in the middle of the IPL window, obviously, so not heaps and heaps of international cricket going on. So they've got some time to get their shit together by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, I remember just back from that conversation, I remember it was, uh, it's it's this IPL and, and there was that, the, the tour that they had against Pakistan and things like that. And then I think there was a big gap. So, you know, you think about, it's the same as, same as our summer here. It's mm. the summer over there. So... We're looking at potentially, I guess, September, you know, August. That's sort of when New Zealand starts kicking into to their maybe subcontinent tours and things like that, other than this World Championship belt that we've got going for shortly. I mean, it's going to be a massive week for cricket in South Africa. So the government gazettes, I'm just reading this Crick Info article here as we speak, government gazettes are published on Fridays in South Africa. So effectively, that interim board, those those member councils have until Friday to accept this new structure. Uh, once Friday happens, then they'll be deregistered and there's a whole bunch of implications that happen from there. And, and Ferdos breaks it down great in, in her article. I, I suggest we get onto it. Well, look, I'm sure there's more and more to run in that. So 
uh, perhaps as that goes through um, the various houses and readings and parliaments and all kinds of stuff. We'll pick up on it again in a future this week in cricket. Um, before we get to the ICL, IPL, I wanted to touch upon the start of the county championship. So um, look, some stellar performances. Of note for me was Spin actually playing a little bit of a part. We were talking before we came to air. Matt Parkinson, who uh, was an excellent Gatorade mixer um, throughout <laughs> the whole of uh, the English summer, actually, and winter. So he's been on um, a lot of those tours, bowled uh, a leg break, um, dubbed the ball of this century. Shane warned quickly to repost that um, it wasn't his first ball of um, his season in England as his Headingley deliver, uh, sorry, his Old Trafford delivery um, was to Mike Gatting. He sounds threatened there. It must have been a pretty good peach. Yeah, look, I, I was just discussing the intricacy of it with, uh, with Lippy. It, it wasn't quite as quick. It didn't yeah. spin as much, didn't grip as much, but looks a good nap. Certainly drifted a little bit, hit the top of off stump. Batsman didn't know he was out, a little bit like Gatting. Um, it, it looked like he just, you know, dropped a cheeseburger. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, the other notable performance, I think, for me, Don Bess in the wickets as well. So mm. um, moved across to Yorkshire um, not too long ago from uh, from Somerset, where you get a little bit of turn at Taunton. So um, they, they were calling it uh, Cyderabad um, because Somerset famous for its cider. Uh Jack Leach and, and Don Bess spin twins down there for a period of time, but on the road only really played one spinner, um, and that was Leach. So Bess wasn't getting a lot of cricket um, other than at Taunton, so moved across to Yorkshire. Uh, and he's got a little fifer, um, yeah, in the most recent round of games as well. I saw him saying, uh, there's an article somewhere I saw about how, it, I guess it, it touches on sort of the things we were talking about back on that tour and, and how there must have been some ramifications for how that whole thing went down with Bess and Ali and and the English spin decisions and, and it was talking about how Bess kind of lost the love for cricket a little bit and you know you sort of you, you don't really think okay so he's a young guy he's you know he's making his way I almost think okay he's sort of almost lucky to be in that England spot at, at this early age because he's he has 23, 24, yeah. yeah, he's mm. only young. He and he hasn't really put in the years and years and years of county cricket to kind of earn that. Like you said, he was second spinner at a county, and he's been elevated as someone with some talent. Put up there, did did well early on, and then kind of going through that rough patch. But you know, to think that he was messed around, or at least felt, you know felt messed around enough to the point where okay I'm not really enjoying cricket yeah. that much use the words hating cricket yeah yeah after India I had a good break away from it because I really did start hating cricket he said so you know it got too much at times certainly in that bubble in India there's a lot of pressures going on it was really important for me to come back and get away from it so again bubble fatigue playing a real part I think in his mental state didn't have too bad a tour four tests in India and Sri Lanka 17 wickets at 26.5 so it's not the worst yeah. Of, of statistical outcomes uh, for him, but he certainly did And didn't interestingly, feel like he had a well. niggle as well. Yeah. So um, I think in the game he got dropped, he came on and fielded and actually got injured fit fielding. So mm. probably wouldn't have even been at the races um, to be recalled anyway, even though he, he wasn't. The other interesting point on this as well, um, we didn't touch upon it in our uh, pre-game planning, but Ed Smith has been mm. um, relieved of his duties. Um, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, put it, but he's certainly not going into work on Monday um, as chief selector. England restructuring that whole um, that whole sort of structure. Um, Chris Silverwood is now going to be, uh, you know, the, the ultimate selector with a team of scouts. So James Taylor, who played 
um, a few test matches for England before a heart condition led to him having to retire uh, from professional cricket. Um, is now chief or head scout for the ECB, um, and there's a there's a team of pretty notable former players um, and umpires, including Alex Stewart, John Embry, um, amongst others that are you know looking out for that talent and feeding that in. Um, through to the performance director, a guy called Mo Baba, um, and also their analysts as well. So obviously looking at a lot of the statistics. So I think there's a little bit more to play in this when we talk about Bess um, feeling, you know, as if you know he wanted a break from cricket. We talked about Mo and Ali at length, um, but Ed Smith maybe has paid for that with uh, with his job in terms of the way they've managed that. Um, rotation policy. So yeah. is, is Chris Silverwood in charge of selection? That's it. It's Chris Silver. It's the Chris Silverwood show now. He 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 calls all the shots. Uh, look, I, I think there's a little bit more nuance to it than that. Um, certainly, listening to a podcast, the BBC Stumped Cricket Podcast, uh, David Milan was was on there and talked a little bit about um, Ed Smith uh, moving on from his role. Um, and certainly when he's talking about the England white ball side, um, very, very strongly alluded to the fact that Owen Morgan calls the shots when it comes to the players that he wants on um, the pitch. But, you know, did, you know, reference that ultimately, you know, Silverwood, Root and Morgan are the guys that, you know, are probably going to take the fall if that team doesn't perform. Yeah. So um, rightly or wrongly that, you know, they want that. Um, role. I guess the interesting thing for me is if you go back to England's previous coach, Trevor Bayliss, who came in after franchise success winning the IPL with Sunrisers Hyderabad in uh, 2016, um, obviously, you know, very successful around international cricket with Sri Lanka as well. Um, he wouldn't have been able to be that all-seeing eye as a selector because mm. um, he very, very honestly said that he'd never really watched any county cricket and didn't know any of the players other than those that he'd seen performing on the international stage. Mm. Um, Silverwood's had that benefit of coaching uh, with Essex, a very successful Essex side. So he's seen a lot of county cricket. So he's probably in touch with some of those guys uh, coming through. So I think to an extent, the structures fit in the personnel a little bit in, in that uh, in that respect. Well, you've got to have those, you've got to have people feeding you that information as a head coach. I mean, you touched on Bayless there, but I mean, I think it works that way. Even in New Zealand, I don't know, the, the actual specifics, but I'm pretty sure that it used to, at least the, all the provincial coaches would feed up information to the head coach of, of New Zealand because you have to, because you're away with your own squad, you're away on tours, you're, you're doing all sorts of things. So I think it makes complete sense. Mm. So we'll come back after a very, very short break to talk uh, some IPL. Just before uh, we do, can we jump into can we jump into the big news in Zimbabwean cricket this week before we jump into the IPL? We should. Let's look at that as well. Yeah, so Zimbabwe captain or former Zimbabwe captain Heath Streak has been banned for eight years uh, by the uh, ICC this week for breaches of the ICC's anti-corruption code, uh, including accepting payment uh, from corruptors, uh, inducing or trying to induce or facilitate corruption for other players players, uh, including a national captain. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, this is big news in terms of uh, the anti-corruption piece for the ICC. So three or four charges revolve around um, his disclosing uh, information or receiving gifts uh, or payment in lieu of facilitation. So, you know, the iPhones potentially being paid in Bitcoin was mentioned as well. So there's a, a host, a real raft of, of, of charges that have been leveled at Heath Streak uh, for, you know, an extensive list of games where he was been coach of sides uh, with Zimbabwe from 2016 to 18 T20 stints, including the IPL Bangladesh Premier League, Afghanistan Premier League. Um, so I think there's been five charges that, that he has um, admitted to breaching uh, one of, 
facilitating corruption. Oh, sorry, three or four of facilitating corruption, and then um, a couple of being party to disclosing information as well. So, uh, huge, huge news in terms of uh, in terms of Zimbabwe cricket, and and a real sad day for for Zimbabwe cricket at this point it, and for it, Heath Street. It's a reminder, isn't it? When whenever these things come up, it's a reminder of that this this part of the game. It is part of the game that is that it is going on behind the scenes with certain people in in all. In, in all of uh, levels of cricket, uh, we're professionally because we saw it with Shakib. You know, we, we've set, every now and again it's sort of one one a year, two a year. There's something springs up, and and yeah, it's uh, it's incredibly hard to get away. It's you just can't get rid of this side of things completely, can you? Look, I I, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. The guy's played so much international cricket. He's played as an overseas player in the UK, I think, for Warwickshire. Um, you know, is is in a position of absolute privilege, and I, look, I, I don't know his financial situation or any of that, but I'd say the game's given him a lot more than he's given the game. Mm. Um, it it just makes me feel really sad, to be honest. Yeah, that that was the emotion that sort of sprung to mind immediately. Just sadness and disappointment for a guy, for many Zimbabweans, as a hero of their yeah. of their cricketing, you know, progress, particularly in the nineties when he carried the the baton almost single handedly for that country and. And to now see him fall from grace so spectacularly and, and so far, it's it's really disappointing. And um, I hope that, you know, young Zimbabwean cricketers who are on tour in Pakistan right now can get past this, you know, heartbreak really for them. Uh, one of their heroes is, is, you know, a cheat effectively. Yeah. And, and again, look, just to echo that sentiment, Border, when you've got the lights of Heath Street, you've got um, the lights of Hansi Cronje, um, you've got um, Shakib himself. Th- these are guys that, those younger players are just so much going to look up to. And uh, yeah, sadness is, is the only emotion um, and, and probably a little bit of anger, to be honest. Um, mm. um, but look, horrible to end the first segment of the po- of the podcast on that. Sorry, um, Chips. No, I, I think we'll, you know, we'll, we'll make, uh, yeah, make amends in the second half of the show where we're going to talk about all things um, IPL. Stay tuned. We'll be back after this very, very short break. Welcome back to the pod. We said we'd be positive in the second half of the show. Um, I, I think we've slightly lied because I think that, you know, there's certainly um, a big elephant in the room for us to come on. But before we get on to that, just want to give a shout out um, to Joel, who has written in uh, via his uh, mother. So he's a cricket obsessed uh, 10 year old who is loving the podcast. So you, uh, we're not going to redact any praise whatsoever. So thank <laughs> you very much uh, for that. As we go into the IPL wrap up of, of what's happened so far i just want to give joel a shout out he sent us his predictions and at the moment he's riding pretty high because he's got like three of the top four um are, are performing for him so he uh, thought the mumbai indians would win the delhi capitals the night riders um are the team um, that he's got in his top four that aren't challenging for honors at the moment and the rcb um so shout out um, to Joel, but we're going to take a little bit of a look at the IPL by going through the runners and riders and talking about um, each team. But I, I guess the first thing we've got to do this and frame this with the fact that Lippy just you gave us a stat: four deaths, uh, sorry, a death every four minutes from COVID in Delhi at the moment. Yeah, that's what I heard on on the New Zealand news tonight, and I mean it's just staggering. Three, you know, three hundred fifty thousand cases a, a day across India. I mean, it's just such a ridiculous number here. I mean, not not just in New Zealand, where you know we didn't it didn't get anywhere near those numbers in in the whole of our time with COVID, but 
just in, in the world, you know, like with, I remember when it all sort of started to kick off and it was sort of like, you know, there's been a million cases recorded worldwide and all, and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, now we're up to, to some horrendous number. But There's been a million cases in India in the last four days. Exactly. You know, it's it's just staggering. And, um, you know, to, to see those scenes, it's it's horrible. And, and you think that the IPL is just about to move to Delhi. You know, we, we've gone mm. uh, from Chennai and Mumbai have been where these first couple of weeks have gone on. And yeah, it's it's about to go to Delhi, and and people are going home, and yeah, it's I, I don't I don't really know what to say much more about that because it's just terrible. Mm. I mean, there are really two sides to it. One is the overwhelming health crisis, and I think there are a lot of people who are feeling at the moment like, why are we playing a game of cricket um, and spending money, lots and lots of money, having this cricket tournament when there's such a public health crisis going on but the other train of thought that I've seen from people this week is that cricket is one thing that's giving them hope that's giving them something to hold on to to give them some enjoyment um, through a, t- a really tough time for a lot of people in India and you know access to healthcare is um, is sporadic and it's you know it's not even as it is here largely in New Zealand I mean we have our challenges as well but it's not you know, it's it, it's on a grander scale. Everything's on a grander scale in India in terms of, mm. you know, the the disparity between access to healthcare and those who don't have have access to healthcare. So, you know, if you are in India listening to this podcast, we hope you find some enjoyment uh, in listening to cricket, and we'll try and provide you some entertainment over the next half an hour or so as we talk about your favourite IPL team. But we wish you all the best and 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 stay safe as as well as you can over the next coming weeks. Cool. So let's start with the Night Riders, who at the moment holding up. Um, the pile, so five games, just the one win uh, and four losses. Where is it going wrong at the moment for the Night Riders? I'll go first. Andre Russell's batting at seven. He's batting far, far too low in that lineup. You know, he's the most devastating player on that side, and he's been hamstrung at the moment. He, I don't. Why, why is he batting at seven? Why is he batting below? Rahul Tripathi and and Shakib, it makes no sense to me why the most devastating player in your team, if not just about the whole tournament, is being is being handcuffed. It, it, it's bizarre. It's just, it's just happened last year as well, isn't same it? Thing, it's yep. the exact same thing. And it, it does. It's sort of weird. But all of the teams actually, the the way they kind of structure it, uh, apart from maybe Sunrisers, it seems like they want to get a couple of a couple of local players to sort of bat in your top three or four, so that you can get your overseas players sort of spread out through your innings. But I, I, know, we, I know we touched on it a lot last time when we talked about the IPL. Just bet, just bet your best players. That's that's sort of how T20 cricket works. You've only got 20 overs. Yeah, so, so look, I think 24 hours ago, I'd, I'd have agreed with your, your sentiment. But I did listen to um, a really interesting interview. I mentioned it earlier on with David Milan, who's in, uh, he's at the IPL at the moment, so sitting in, in the hotel. He's not in his starting lineup at the moment for the Kings Punjab or the Punjab Kings. Um, but he actually made a comment specifically about Andre Russell. So he mm. said, you know, lots of the media saying, why isn't Russell batting up the order? And he said, um, I'll tell you why. You look at the stats for IPL cricket, 2020 franchise quick, cricket, 10 overs, 100 for one or 100 for two is around about where you want to be after 10 overs. You win or lose the game in the second 10 overs mm. and you want your best players to be facing the best death bowlers because they can make the difference between you getting 160 and 220 and that's where you win the game. So look, I, I haven't got the stats to hand, but that's the point, you know, that is the opinion of the world's 
number one T20 uh, ranked batsman. So just the counterpoint there that, um, you know, that they're probably sticking to their analytics and sticking to their statistics rather than the gut feel around the pub table, uh, as this looks like with several beers in front of us, um, and just get your best players up there. I'd agree with you, except that they don't have, they're not in that situation. Yeah. They're not 120, 130 for three with eight overs to go in the luxury of Andre Russell. And if they're 130 for three, Russell's still batting at five at that point, not seven, right? You know, Morgan's batting at four, five, and Russell's batting at five, six, but they're not. They're, they're one or two spots too low. And the guys who are trying to do the job for them in the top four aren't getting him to that position that they can win games. So, you know, I think for me, it's the same as Maxwell. You've got to have those guys up far enough that they can be in that situation or at least try and get their team into that situation. So that's that's the one for mine. I, I will say that I don't think for, I know we're going to touch on a couple of teams here that are not doing very well, but it, I don't think it's panic stations for these teams no. just yet because no. we saw last year how even it was the Kings 11, I think. One and five. They, yeah. they were pretty much done. We kind of thought, okay, they're, they're all done. And look, they ended up, they didn't miss, they didn't make the playoffs, but they were so close to making it. They were, It was in their hands. They, was, they were a runaway. Yep. Effect, and, literally a runaway from making the playoffs that yep. year. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, everything is still to play for for these teams. You're only really, you know, looking back at last year's table, all you have to do is kind of get to 7-7 seven and seven across your 14 matches and you'll be right in the mix for, for a playoff spot. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's panic stations, but it is time to start winning pretty soon. And, and look, absolutely stay tuned to the podcast because we'll keep you up to date with all of this. <laughs> it's not a, a done deal yet. Sunrisers, Hyderabad, um, seventh place, so similar record to the KKR. Um, just a better net run rate at this stage. What do we think about the Sunrisers? Today's game, I think, is a, something we've got to touch upon. Yeah, bizarre. Yeah, the first the first super over we've had. So, yeah, overnight New Zealand time, we had uh, their game against the Delhi Capitals. They were sort of behind behind the rate the whole way, really, and then uh, and Kane Williamson kind of got them, anchored their innings. And that was his first game of the tournament so far for the Sunrisers. Yeah, finally Kane gets gets a go. Uh, it, I think it's more well. They've been they've been stating it as injury related, and and potentially it is. You know, he's had um, you know he's had that trouble with his hip throughout the New Zealand summer, and you know I don't know if it's him being cautious, or you know the New Zealand selectors being cautious, or or just Sunrisers in general being cautious. But you know, he just showed what a class player he is. If if we're just going to talk about now that you've mentioned him, and I can give him another plug because. We've been seeing throughout this whole tournament how difficult these pictures have been getting, particularly, you know, batting second and and really the pitches are wearing the spin, and Kane just just made it. He just finds a way to to hit boundaries or just work the work the the ball all around the park, and you know you get it gets to forty or fifty balls and suddenly he's on 60, 70, and it hasn't really looked like he's he's going crazy. Yeah, I mean, we talked about how difficult it was going to be for the Sunrisers with the batting lineup that they'd got, and particularly the overseas players. So David Warner, um, obviously Johnny Best. I think Jason Roy's come into that squad as well yeah, as yeah. a replacement. So they've got some firepower. But yeah, strange decision for me that Bairstow was pretty hot and didn't come in for that uh, super ho- uh, super over with Warner pulling rank as, as a, a skipper. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, there's been some bizarre selections in the last sort of 48 hours for the Sunrisers. Manish Pandey was dropped for that game mm. and he's been one of their stronger um, Indian batters Ritman Saha is probably their best almost their best Indian batter you would have to say based on his form 
so far this year and last year. He's not playing at the moment. So some real question marks for them on, in terms of the makeup of their side. They've used Mohamed Nabi. They've used Jason Holder. They've used Rashid. You know, rightly so as their as their number one spinner, but mm. they just haven't got the balance of their of their side right. And you would think their four best overseas players are Warner, Besto, Williamson, and Rashid. But then you've got to find, you know, numbers four through seven in your order, and you've got to find an entire bowling attack uh, without Rashid. Well, and I, you know, I know I just said it's not time to panic if you're you're a KKR fan, but I do feel like it's starting to get that way for Sunrisers, yep. and and primarily because. You just mentioned there how reliant they are on that top order batting. It's because they're they're and it leaves their bowling really exposed. Rashid Khan has got a lot to do in that uh, in that bowling attack, probably because or one because it's spin and he's their lead spinner, and also because at the moment Natarajan's got is out for the the remainder of the IPL with a, an injury. And Bhuvi Kumar struggling, and and they are the sort of two yeah, the two best bowlers. The, yeah, yeah, the other two best bowlers for for Sunrisers. So they don't really have a bowling attack. Like it's just Rashid, and and Rashid is able. The other teams are able to kind of see him off as as much of a a, a good bowler he is. That you know at the moment he's only going for five and over. They've got sixteen overs to attack the other four bowlers, yeah. as opposed to four overs to attack the opposition's fifth bowler at the moment. That's that's the way it feels to me. Yeah. yeah. So we move on to sixth place in the table. One of my sides uh, that I tipped, so the KKR down the bottom and um, the Royals uh, um, at six. And look, I, I think they're in some serious strife. We, we talked before the podcast, uh, these would be my mulligan, I think. And the reason they'd be my mulligan now in terms of where I named them in the running order is no Ben Stokes uh, and no Joffre Archer yep. um, ruled out of the whole of the IPL. Although apparently he's going to be playing some second 11 county cricket in his return Ooh, to that's... fitness. So I'll tell you what, on a cold day at Hove, um, if I was playing for um, Hampshire seconds, I, <laughs> I think I might pull a hamstring if I was an I'd, opening batter. I'd have a flat tyre on the way to the ground, absolutely. Oh, we actually discussed this. We'd have a back spasm. Yeah. Because then you can play the next game. Yep. Yeah. Back spasms non-specific, are also, yeah, yeah. non-specific back injury, I think. Yeah, ab- the... absolutely. Went to put my socks on, got a back spasm. Fizz, yep. give us a bit of a rub, can't play. Or I might, I might sign up for the general soreness. I think I might become an advocate of the general. Um, but they uh, have, Samson are, started well for them. They ha- they have. They're forked, though, without Stokes and Archer, really. I mean, Joss Butler's carrying the can for that entire side. As good as Sanju Sampson is, as good as Rahul Tawati is, they just don't have the firepower to compete with those top sides without you know a top-five player in Stokes and a top-five bowler in, in Joffre Archer. Uh, Sakaria is the highlight for me so far. Give him the keys to the bowling attack uh, and stick him in your fantasy side as well. Uncapped player. Can transfer him in and out as much as you want. Um, He's been really good, hasn't he? And, really good. and probably uh, it touches on the fact that we've had a lot of a lot of new new faces, new Indian bowlers, new seamers really that have come in, and yep, and they're the ones you know when we'll, we'll get to RCB and Harshal Patel, who's yep. the leading wicket taker. And it's it's sort of yeah, it, it always I guess you know as a uh, someone watching from outside of India that we. You just see the riches that they have in, in their cricketing, uh, in their cricketing background, and and just every single IPL, it's different players that seem to step up. And you know, last year it was all the overseas, it was all the overseas quicks that were leading the wicket takers, and and now it seems to be mm. the Indian, the Indian quicks that are, and not and not the ones that you recognise. Or from last year that, that burst onto the scene like Tina Tarajan and yeah. and so on and so forth, Mohammad Siraj. Yeah, look, the nursery for, for bowling in India has never been stronger, has it? And I know a lot of people talk about the IPL being this kind of 
you know, font of youth for for cricket everywhere in the world, but it certainly has been in the last, you know, at least the last two years, I think, particularly mm. for unearthing tremendous Indian talent. And it looks like the Royals, if there is going to be a highlight from their season, I think it's going to be that guy. That that Samson hundred though. Oh, that was that was a quality quality innings. I mean, he's a good cricketer, man. He's yeah, a real good, good cricketer. cricketer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard for him, isn't it? Because you know he got punt. Punt is uh, just can't do much he's wrong locked. in yeah. the world at the moment. Yeah, uh, I mean, you've got Punt, you've got Saha, you've got Kale Rahul who can hold the gloves as well. I mean, Kishan, Kishan. Yep, a lot of guys ahead of him in the pecking yeah. order. But man, he's a he's a hell of a cricketer, Sanju Sampson. Mm. So we'll move on to the Punjab Kings. So uh, Kale Rahul finding some form, struggled a little bit. Um, in that ODI and T20 series, did get some runs towards the end of the series, but um, up at the uh, yeah, up near the top of the runs tally. So they are um, two and three. Um, so same uh, yeah, same record as the Mumbai Indians, who we'll talk about um, in a minute. What's caught our eye with uh, the Punjab? Well, it, it, yeah, like you say, Kale Rahul still scoring runs. It seems like every single IPL. He just keeps going and going and going, but still the criticism. There's there's so much criticism around his batting and 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 the strike. You know the strike rate. It's pretty much any time you see him batting, it, he's he's almost getting stick for for what he's doing. But to me, it doesn't make sense because you look through the rest of that lineup. You've got Agarwal, Chris Gale, Puran. You've got you've got all these guys that can come in and just. D- destructive players. Um, I've got a theory. It's because he keeps wicket in short sleeves. <laughs> so deserves the stick. You're, it, you're a big fan of this short sleeve theory, aren't you? It's, it's it, not it, a theory. It? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a theory. You, you should not be able to keep wicket in short sleeves. End of story. Fair enough. <laughs> um, look, DJ Hooters impressed so far. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's gone over 100 runs. He's one of the three or four guys who, who've gone over 100 runs so far in the tournament. For Kings, look, they haven't looked tremendous, but he's looked pretty good. The guy I've been watching a lot of is Nicholas Puran. Mm. He's had five bats and he's got nine runs and five bats, so he's going to have to lift his game or I think they're going to start tweaking um, the kind of overseas contingent because they've got Henriques, they've got Fabian Allen, they've got Jai Richardson and Riley Meredith in there that you know are only played two or three games yeah, out of the old five. Fabian Allen came in the other day and he got run out. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he didn't have a lot of luck, but I think... For me, I think it's, again, you talk about sides that are in a little bit of panic stations. I think they might have to do something about that Nicholas Puran position. They might have to look to give Henriques or someone a little bit more responsibility in that middle order and get an extra bowler into their into their overseas yeah. contingent. Um, if you're going to have Gale at three, I would be going with Gale Henriques. I mean, I know it's a lot of Australians, but Gale Henriques and then one of um, or two of Allen... Richardson and Meredith potentially in that bowling attack. Maybe Allen and, and well, one of Richardson and Richard's Meredith. Richardson's just gone home. Or Kane no, Richardson's, oh, Richardson's, Kane gone, Richardson's home. gone home. Richardson, Richardson's yeah, yeah, yeah. still there for yeah, now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, look, well, the, the what Australian have you made of those Aussie bowlers? That Richard, Jai Richardson and, and Riley Meredith. You know, definitely Meredith, you know, new experience for him going over there and, yep. and, and was given the opportunity early on. Yep. Now, look, they, they haven't done a lot, to be fair. And I mean, Look, a lot of the overseas fast bowlers, other than maybe Trent Bolt, mm. haven't really done a tremendous amount so far in this IPL. Uh, local Indian bowlers have outpointed them so far, and you know it's been a pretty much spin-dominated affair as far as the results are, for bowlers are concerned. But look, they haven't done anything. I mean, they haven't been terrible. No, um, they haven't had a lot of runs to work with a lot of the time, um, and they've been under attack for some for some pretty you know good bowling, uh, good batting lineups, but. 
yeah, look, neither of them have set have set the world on fire. I expect more from Joe Richardson now that he's got an Australian contract. One of the only uh, one of the seventeen players to get a contract. Um, so the, look, the, a lot of people looking at him to to perform in this IPL to get that white ball that white ball contract. The yeah, well, so I, I think uh, you know uh, we've we've talked about how important I think this this IPL for these players that are on the fringes of their own international sides. I think it's a Super, super important shop window for them. And, you know, Meredith and, and Richardson are, are two perfect examples of that, that if they want to be in that Australian T20 squad to go to that World Cup in India, they've, I think they've got to show something and probably show a bit more than what they've done so far. I, I would have to agree. And now that there's only 17 central contracts, they are competing against each other at mm. the moment for, for one of those central contracts. And there aren't many to go around right now. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the, the key for any bowler in this tournament, uh, and particularly with the T20 World Cup coming up, is how well you adapt as these wickets probably get a little bit slower and mm. lower through the tournament, uh, especially as a seamer, um, to be effective and, you know, not almost let spin um, come into it and, you know, bowl full, hit the stumps, um, you know, mix your paces up um, a little bit and show how you're going to be able to do that in a T20 tournament that's going to go, at, you know, a pretty decent distance of time as well. And that's probably a good point. I think we're halfway through the teams now. What, what have we made of the pitches and, and things? Because we've we've come, yeah, we've had a couple of weeks now. We've we've played at, at Mumbai and at Chennai. Chennai in particular, the pitch is just starting to deteriorate and, and really getting slow. Seems, and, seems to be almost ball by ball. Yeah. The wear seems to be quite... <laughs> You know, we're used to wear over five days from being, you know, a, a little bit of seam or, and then good batting. one session, isn't it? Pitching? Well, you know, traditionally, traditionally <laughs> uh, in our minds, a wear over five days. But it seems to it seems to genuinely get more difficult for batting ball by ball progressively, mm. in, in, particularly in, in, in those games in Chennai. Do we think now that they're moving to Delhi and Ahmedabad that we'll see kind of the next week we might see like a lot of runs scored again and then, you know, the last couple of the last week or so of of that little round that it'll be the same kind of thing that it'll start wearing or or do you think that the surfaces are going to play differently in in all of the different locations the the dew's not really been as much of a factor as it was particularly in that england um india um white ball series or or pair of series Uh, look i think the averages tell you all all you need to, to know you look at the batting averages and you know there's there's not that many to talk about but you read down that bowling list you've got people averaging 7 8 9 10 11 12 mm. 13 14 15 and we're not even at you know number 20 in the averages yet and we've got those kind of numbers um being put up um by the bowlers and and you know a decent proportion um of spinners in there as we've already commented so Imran uh, to here almost at the top of the pile uh, Moen Ali uh, you've got Chaha you know so you've got a number of uh, Mishra is in there as well so lots of you know lots of spin being effective which says to me that, that there's a little bit in those in those wickets yeah a little oh, bit yeah. slow a little bit of grip i yeah. think if the wickets if we start to see the wickets speed up a bit or there's a change in conditions, I think bowlers will have to adjust and that'll be the opportunity for batsmen to take full advantage if the bowlers start to miss their mark a little bit. Do we, do we like the fact that, um, you know, T20s are at 140 or 160 is, is a good score? Because I, I have to say in one day is quite often I, I prefer those games where it's 250, it, playing 250 and it's and it feels like a real challenge between bat and ball. But for some reason, in 2020 cricket, I just want to see runs. And, and as much as I love watching the ball really dominate bat at times in, in all other forms of cricket, I, yeah, for T20s, I just feel like it's a it's a run show. And, and when the it's really, really hard to bat, I, it I, isn't as enjoyable for me. I, I'm happy to admit that. 
Yeah, look, for me, and, and look, I'm sure Bordy's going to go back to comments I've made when it relates to England, and I'm going to contradict myself massively <laughs> when I'm talking about my national side versus the entertainment of T20. Look, I'd have to agree. I, I think um, look, one day internationals for me, in that period where they go a bit dead, when a, when, a, when a side used to lose four or five wickets early up, um, same in a T20, you get that period where the team are just having to rebuild for far too long and knock the ball around and you're yeah. not seeing those big hits. Um, so look, absolutely. I think I, I want to see a little bit of balance, but I think in a tournament like this, you get the balance from the fact that you've got some quality quicks. You've, you know, you've got the likes um, of your Lockie Ferguson, your Jasprit Bumrahs, your Trent Bolts, um, who bowl, you know, at a genuine lick. And then you've got these spinners like Rashid and, um, and others as well. They're what give you the edge mm-hmm. on a good wicket. Um, I, I think the wicket should be as as good as they possibly can be because I think that those quality bowlers are still just going to find that little bit of nip or that little bit of spin to, uh, to impact the game. The only comment I'll make is I, I prefer in, in white ball cricket that there's no wear and tear in the pitch. If you're given a set of conditions, try and, same try and have them as, as similar as we can possibly get throughout the, the course mm. of the match, you know. The, the wickets that wear substantially from, from batting first to batting second put a lot of emphasis on the toss or a lot of emphasis on a particular part of the game, whereas I'd like to see, even if it's really, really good batting track, it's consistent for the for the majority of the game, if not the whole game. So that'd be the only comment I'd make on that. Yeah, and the dew comes into that as well a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, it does a little yeah, bit. Yep, yeah. absolutely. It's been a big factor. So, well, Baldi, are we going to be hearing you chant um, the Mumbai chant at the end of the year? They're currently sitting in fourth, played five, won two, um, lost three. Um, yeah, nipping the, uh, the Punjab uh, Kings on run race at the moment to, to sit fourth on the table. I think there's probably not a lot to panic about from a Mumbai perspective because even though they're only two and three, they've got nothing, absolutely nothing out of batters four through seven in their lineup and they're still, they've still won two games. Mm. Um, you know, Ishan Kishan, 75 runs, Pollard, 65, Hardik, 36, Cronall, 29, Decock, 47. They've got nothing from any of their middle order and they're still kind of in the mix most of those games. I think they were blown off the park once, but... You know that that to me says that they've got a massive issue in their in their batting in their engine room of their batting. They sort that out and they start to turn that around. And one or two of those guys fire in in, in any particular game, and I think they'll be okay. If they continue to underperform and two or three of those guys have a lean run throughout the entire tournament, they look a little bit more sketchy. But they've just got so many match winners. You 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 expect them to come in and still win those games, even when one or two of their guys aren't firing. They're not getting much from their fifth bowling option. I mean, Yadav's the only guy going at under seven in a tournament where there are quite a few bowlers going at, at under mm-hmm. seven and over. I mean, he's doing a good job. Hardik bowling or not bowling at the moment doesn't help the balance of their side, but they've still got lots and lots of other bowling options. They're just they're just at eighty percent at the moment. It feels like it feels like they're just kind of treading water in second gear or, or whatever, and they're and you know at some point they're going to explode. I think that finishing piece is, is really important. And I mean, it goes back to what you said before, Binksy, about those players coming in and doing the job at the end. I saw I can't remember the stat that I saw, but that that both the two Pandyas and uh, Pollard, the this IPL, they're basically not even going at a run a ball. I don't think at at the back end of the innings. And it's just staggering because you think back to, to last IPL and, and, you know, IPLs previously where those guys would come in and you'd see like 30 off 11 balls or mm. those those kind of numbers is what you were used to seeing from Hardik or Pollard or 
Krunal even just coming in and, and finishing, you know, taking a good score to a great score and putting them over the top, and it's just not happening now. But you're, find, you're finding that in almost all the games. Almost mm. all the runs are being scored by guys in the top three. I mean, the, the game where Maxwell and Defilia's batting at four and five got yep. 76 each or 74 each or whatever it was is the only game that I can really think of where someone outside the top three made the majority of runs. It's been a top-order tournament so far. So I'm not surprised that that's the stat for the Mumbai Indians, but they need to make a change there, or they need one of those guys needs to step up and start performing if they're going to be at the pointy end of the tournament come playoff time. Otherwise, they're going to be in an absolute you know, poo fight for that fourth spot, and it's going to be down to run rates and, and all that sort of stuff. We said it's still early day, so we've got three teams on four points, and then... Um, point bugger all separating the top three at, mm. uh, in the table. So uh, Royal Challengers is currently sitting third on net run rate. Um, Delhi Capitals and, and CSK obviously top of the table. Let's start with Royal Challengers, Bangalore. How, how are they placed? I've got lots of questions. I, I kind of wished Raj was here tonight because he's the sort of RCB uh, fan and I had lots of questions for him about what's going on with their lineup. But Pick up your man Maxwell. Yep. Uh, Maxwell, yeah. you know, give him responsibility and he does well. He and Defilias have, you know, batting at four and five, have been almost a blueprint for some of these other sides. You know, that's where you would expect Morgan and Russell to be, where you would expect, you know, Pollard and and Hardik to be in, in that Mumbai side. They are a blueprint if you're going to succeed you have to do it like that, or, or that's their opportunity to do it like that. That was some display, that that innings that, uh, well, particularly oh, AB. But Ma- it was I mean, incredible. Maxwell did it before then and then just got completely overshadowed because AB's innings was just unreal. It was. An incredible cricketer. And he's in talks to come back for South Africa, obviously, if they are still playing international cricket. It sounds <laughs> yeah. like, uh, yeah, we, we might see Ireland instead of them. But, yeah, um, oh, phenomenal hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My question is, who bets at three? They've they've got a they've got a bit of a problem with the with the number three batter. They've tried Paratar, they've tried Washington Sundar opening, they've tried Washington Sundar at three. It hasn't really quite worked for them. I'm not sure. I think they're going to persist with having someone in there at number three and Maxwell at four and AB at five. But I think that's that's a bit of a weakness at the moment for for RCB. Get, um, get Finn in there. Get Finn in there opening, and then uh, and then we can have well, Virat and him can open and uh, or Paratar or whatever they want to do. The other the, one at three. And then, then you've got De Villiers and, and Maxwell. Well, now that now that Kane Richardson's gone home, they've persisted with Jamison throughout the five games. They've used Dan Christensen for three days. Uh, sorry, Dan Christian for three games. They went with only three overseas players for one game, if I've read the scorecard right. So there is an option to get someone like Finn Allen in there if they if they don't want to go with Dan Christian, who I think they should. But if they don't want to, then they've got an option to bring you know, Finn Allen in there to bat at three. Well, they've got the luxury, don't they, of, of having a lot of Indian bowlers yep. in their lineup that that are, you know, we talked about, I guess, Sunrisers and how they're now having to rely on their Indian bowlers and, and they've so far not been that reliable. And, and they're, But they're relying on people that haven't really had the opportunity before. RCB's relying on people like Deep Saini and Mohammed Siraj and Yuvasvinder Trahal, people that have played for India, people yep. that have at, at the top of their game. So... Yeah, that, that gives them a massive leg up in what they can do with their overseas. And Harshal Patel comes in with not a lot of pressure on him, and he's yeah. you know taken 15 wickets in five games already. He looks like the find of the tournament for me. Well, he did until Ravi Jadeja put him for 37 and that could happen. That, that could happen to anyone, you know. That, that could happen. That happened to me. It can happen to anyone. <laughs> um, so, you know, look, he's been, he's been superb. 
Yusvendra Chahal has been off the boil a little bit. He hasn't really done much so far in a tournament that's been dominated by spin. He hasn't been very effective, mm. um, but I expect him to sort of grow into the tournament and, and, and sort of come along as the tournament goes on. But they're looking really good, RCB, at the moment. If they can find some better balance in that sort of fourth overseas spot, they're going to be real dangerous. So top of the run scorers at the moment is the Delhi Capitals' Shikhar Darwan. They're placed pretty well, second in the table. I think there were a lot of people's uh, um, second picks when we did our little round robin at the start of the start of the tournament. Interesting thing for me is that Rabada's just sort of almost been a non-event really for them, and and he was such a a force, and and I think has been a force. You know, he's been a force in white ball cricket in general for a, a few years now. It's not mm. like he just burst on to the IPL scene last year and had a, a great tournament out of the blue. He's been dominating white ball cricket for, for a long time now. He, oh, test cricket as well. You know, his strike rate is, is up there with some of the best in the world, but yeah, he's just it just hasn't clicked for him so far this this IPL. Yeah, not quite. I mean, they've they've tried a lot of overseas bowlers in that in that uh, Delhi bowling attack. They've tried Wokes for three games. They've tried uh, Tom Curran for two games. Uh, Kagiso Rapata's played four games, uh, so they have rotated through some of those bowlers. They've got they've got some different looks that they can show opposition there. Um, I think Rabada's the best of them, but you know Wokes is an is an excellent white ball cricketer. Tom Curran gives them a little bit with a bat as well. So it's just about finding the right balance of that side. Uh, you know the guys at the top of the order, Shaw, uh, Shikhar and Rashad Pant have been carrying that that batting lineup. Uh, Hetmyer hasn't done much yet. Smith looks like he's sort of developed into a nice little kind of Kane Williamson-esque kind of role, just pacing the innings. And, I think and those guys are going to be super important, actually, this 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 IPL, with with the fact that the pitches, you know, we just talked about the pitches, they're, they're wear and tearing. You actually need, you can't just have hitters. You, you have, have to have in, a craftsman yeah. somewhere in that order, yeah. Exactly. And, the, I, and I think craftsman's a perfect way to describe what those guys do. Yeah, and I think Smith's going to be really important for that. I mean, we didn't go into this tournament looking like Steve Smith would be an important part of that batting lineup, but... Having come into that side, he does give them the option to balance that sort of you know nudge and hit type of th- type of thing. We haven't seen enough from Hetmeyer yet. We haven't seen enough from Stoinis yet. If those guys are able to go off around Steve Smith, it, it could be quite devastating. The returns for to form for Prithvi Shaw, you, you know, you yeah. just mentioned it there. I think that's that's been huge for them because yep. you know he he pretty much gave them nothing that whole tournament last year and. Yeah, we know what a devastating player he can be at the top. He's been excellent. Well, and again, when you've got two batters, Darwin and uh, and and, uh, and Shaw, Indian players, it just gives you that much more flexibility with the way that you roll with your overseas players as well when you've got that balance yep, in, in absolutely. your side. The only question mark for me at the moment is what role is Ajinkya Rahani playing in that middle order? You know, you've got a premier craftsman in Smith. Rahane feels like a similar sort of player in that middle order. Are they better off going with somebody else who can finish? I mean, that's you know he's batting at six at the moment. Do you need a, a different sort of look as a finisher? Uh, but that that to me means you have to have an overseas player. You have to have a current or a, or someone like that in the batting at six. And, and worth just mentioning, uh, you know, I think news broke just before we started recording that Ravi Ashwin has is, is gone home or gone home to support his family yeah. through the tough times at the moment? Yeah, so his family is, is actively battling or, or, you know, in the community working with, you know, against the coronavirus, to try and fight the coronavirus. So he is he's taking some time out of the IPL. He hasn't ruled out coming back yet, pending, you know, some success on the in the battle against, uh, you know, COVID in India. So we may not see R. Ashwin again in the tournament, but if he's able to have some success with his family and we wish him all the best, then maybe we'll see him again. But for the moment, it looks like it falls back to 
Avesh Khan at fulls back to Kiggis. Uh, Patel's just and, Patel. who's, who's just come out of quarantine himself. Yeah, uh, so it falls down three to those week, guys. Three weeks there, I think. And yeah, but didn't didn't look like he missed a beat last night. Bowled, bowled really well. Yeah, I mean they've all they've all been pretty good. They've been expensive the the Delhi bowlers, but they've all sort of shared the wickets around. So if they can be a little bit more economical in this next sort of segment of games, uh, you know, if they're seven and two, eight and two, they're in the box seat. Top of the table, CSK. Mahindra Singh Dhoni, can he do anything wrong? Is he going to be lifting the trophy at the end of the tournament? What do we think? I don't know. It's it's one we all got got pretty badly wrong, I think, in all, all our uh, predictions. And I don't think any of us had CSK making the playoffs. And unless you count you, Binksy, because you said that you only picked your two because you needed to find spots for your two. And then I think you had CSK in five. So maybe maybe we'll give you some credit that you... You had them higher than, than the rest of us. Well, let's not speak uh, too soon on that. But Faf de Plessis, um, pretty much at the t- top of the, the charts or near the top of the charts from a runs perspective, 214 runs, a, mono- a phenomenal average of 71 at the moment for the Chennai uh, Super Kings. Pretty pretty special stats. Um, shout out as well to Moen Ali, who has had a pretty tough winter uh, with England, but he's come out of the gates really well for CSK. And I think just shows what happens when you value a player like that, what you get from him, and, and perhaps a tip for um, for new head selector Chris Silverwood. It's been a really interesting revelation in terms of the way CSK have approached their batting this year with Faf moving to the opening position. You know, Last year he batted at sort of three and four in the order, sometimes open but not always. They tried Sam Curran in that role. You know, They tried Watson. They've tried a whole bunch of players. But having Suresh Raina slot into the number four position Huge, has allowed has allowed Faf to yeah you're right Stuart has allowed Faf to go to the top of the order and he's been excellent he's been really really good uh, Mo and Ali has been batting at, at three I think in the four yep. games that he's played uh, so they've got a lot of different looks that they can show with that kind of you know, um, that top order of Faf Mo Ali and then Raina and then you can start bringing in you've got you know Mo, um, Dhoni can come in. You've got a few different guys that can come in there. Jadeja, uh, as you said, 37 runs off and over. So, you know, they've got lots and lots of firepower. To me, they look like a Stephen Fleming side. The hole is a lot greater than the sum of the parts at the moment for CSK. We didn't see that at all last year. It looked like that team was not quite the sum of all the individuals that were playing within that team. Uh, But now with Jadeja performing at a high level and Suresh Reiner coming back into the side... They look like a playoff team. They look like a finals team. They look really dangerous. It's funny, isn't it, that one player, the balance of your side can look completely different because I think when we, you know, when we looked back at their season last year and then when we talked about them this year in the preview, it was all about how they had all these players that were not bits and pieces players, that's not fair to, to their players, but they had so many all-rounders and people that can do multiple things, but they didn't have any specialists that could just balance their side out and actually fill in those kind of, you need an opener, you need a number four, you need you need your death bowler, you need all of these spots. And now that Rayner is in there and Guyquad you know, probably a, a bit of an unsung hero in that he hasn't really taken taken off and, and scored huge totals, uh, but, but he just balances that side and he lets Faf, Faf do his thing there, opening Rayner at four, and then they can mix and match those. I mean, you talked about Dhoni. 
Donnie hasn't really had to do anything. No, no. He hasn't really had to do anything, and he just keeps he keeps shunting other people up ahead of him, and, and he can because they're all they can all bat all yep. the way down the order. And they bat to eleven CSK. Yeah. You know, Shadulta Cook can bat. Uh, Dwayne Bravo is an excellent bat. Mm. You know, they bat all the way down yeah. to Jahar, who's been excellent so Sa- far with Sam the Curran ball. Can bat pretty much anywhere in that yep. order. So yeah. they they have this tremendous flexibility. You talk about matchups. CSK are just about the best team in the competition when it comes to being able to adjust to matchups. And they've been doing it really effectively, and that's why they're four and one right now. And Bully, you said to me before, uh, if we talk about uh, the change from the UAE to back to India, there's one team I really want to talk about, and and that they've really benefited from this. Uh, it's got to be CSK, isn't it? It's hundred percent CSK. They have benefited so much from being able to play. Then let's let's face it, they've played some of their opening games at home, or their opening games have been in, in, the, in that Chennai Stadium. I can't remember off the top of my head how many of their first five they've played at home, but you know they have benefited massively from being able to come back to India and playing in friendly conditions, and it seems to be their spinners that have that, that have benefited the most. But if you have a look at the stats, Jahar has been their he's best been has been their best performer, and he's really enjoyed playing on Indian pitches a lot more than he enjoyed last year playing on. Uh, pitches in the in the subcontinent. Uh, sorry, in the UAE, where he got you know he was you know wasn't wasn't as good as they needed him to be. Mm. Well, guys, we'll finish the podcast with some predictions. But before um, we do, I, I just want to talk about the, the the thing that we kicked off with, and I'm going to actually go to a quote from an Australian, which I, you know I very rarely do when I'm trying to find. <laughs> How much have you had to drink? Uh, I, I've had uh, just yeah, the one beer. Uh, just the one. It is an Australian beer, though. That's what. That's your problem. Is that an Australian yeah, beer? Yeah, that's an Australian it, beer. Is that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. You've I'll, been I'll, seduced. I'll, to, I'll, you've gone to the dark side. Um, mate, I'll make sure I don't do that again. But um, Ricky Ponting has spoken to the Capitals media team, and uh, and he's quoted as saying, "The tournament has become more about what's ap- happening outside than what's happening." Um, here goes on to say felt you know players are probably the safest people in the country being in those biosecure um, bubbles mm-hmm. um, but also spoke about the grim situation on the outside which we you know touched upon in the intro um, 300,000 cases on average per day in India at the moment uh, we, we spoke about you know deaths in, in Delhi being um, somewhere like one every four minutes how do we think the tournament can go on with what's going on outside the four walls of those biosecure bubbles? Players literally voting with their feet to an extent um, and, and dropping yeah, out. So and how some many, big how names many have we got well? gone home now? We've got Liam Livingston. We've got obviously um, three Australians. Ty, yeah, Richardson. Three. We've got Ravi Ashwin. Adam Zampa's gone home Adam as well. Adam Zampa's gone home. Yeah, so um, there's been a few Australians. I think... The, the challenge for the Australians is that the Australian government, like the New Zealand government, has put India in a in a hot zone, a red zone. And England as well. So England the British government same. have said the same thing. Yeah. My understanding is that the players who are going to return to England from a cricket point of view are still able to do so because they're in a biosecure bubble, but they'll need to spend 10 days in a hotel. Yes, they will. Yeah, they'll need yep. to quarantine. Yeah. Yep, they'll need to quarantine. The Australian government has basically said, as far as I'm aware, or the, the sorry, the thinking is amongst some of those cricketers that I need to go home now before the Australian government stop all flights from India and I won't be able to get back at all, which will be a devastating situation for some of them. So reading between the lines, I think that's why some of those Australian players have made the decision that if they're not going to play, 
regular cricket in the IPL, and, and those guys, Ty, Kane Richardson's played a couple of games, Zampa hasn't played at all. Those guys have made the decision, well, if I'm not going to play, then I'm going to return home before I can't. Um, before I'm, I'm, you know, stuck overseas with, you know, no real logistical way of, of getting home other than a charter flight and an exception from the government. So it is a, 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 you know, it's tricky for them, tricky for those cricketers, but it's a lot worse for the for the people out there in the community suffering. So at some point, will there be, do you guys think, a, a change in outlook from the IPL or do you think that the tournament is too big to fail almost, too big to not continue on now that it's started. This is going to sound pretty cynical, but I I think that they're just going to press ahead, aren't they? I mean, you, you see, I, I've I felt it more and more and, and worse this year that every time someone hits a boundary, there's a there's a sponsorship plug. It's the Unacademy cracking sixes, the the Vivo catch of the game. Like it's actually becoming kind of ridiculous. The the commentary it's almost too hard to to listen they, to. They might as well not have commentators because they're just there to you know to plug the brands. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and and so because of that, I, I can't see how. Like I I think you know as much as the players and and the the coaches and and everyone involved, I'm sure feels a tremendous amount of um, sympathy and. And feel terrible about what's going on. You've just seen Ravi Ashwin's going, leaving the IPL to go and, and help. help the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, I, look, I think the, the I think where the rubber will hit the road is whether or not these biosecure bubbles r- remain secure. Yep. I, I think the moment we see um, any, any breaches, I, I think that's when we're really going to start to see. And pressure in the media and, and look whilst you know the Indian cricketing media is all powerful um, I think from a global perspective we, you know we might see to see see might see that rhetoric um, change the, the other thing and border you touched upon it with Australian players whether or not they can get home if their government changes that status it's also a lot of uncertainty for the players we've got to remember these guys when they're growing up when they're 11 12 years old playing cricket then they're not thinking about it as, as putting that level of pressure on them. They're thinking about it as a game that they play um, for love. Yes, they're very privileged to be in an environment where a biosecure bubble is put on for them to ply their trade because it's an entertainment product. But the reality is some of these guys will have been away for six or seven months um, in a row in a biosecure bubble to play cricket, and then they don't know whether or not the one week or the 10 days that they were due to have at home with their family before they go into the next bubble to play the next tournament or the next series is actually going to be taken away from them because their government put in a quarantine period or they're not able to fly. So I think Mm. the human element of this is just all too important. So I I think um, if it wasn't such high profile players, then um, look, I, I think, you know, you'd see it plow on. But when you've got someone like Ashwin pulling out, when you've got overseas players pulling out, um, I think it's only going to take an Andre Russell, a Chris Gale, a really big name player to say, do you know what, guys? That You know, granted, I've got a bit of coin in the bank, but nah, I, I, I think this is about more uh, than a franchise tournament that we'll start to see um, that rhetoric change and, and, and some pressure put on the BCCI. Yeah, I mean, even the... the the, the people that are organising the biosecure bubbles have been at pains to remind everyone how secure they are and have and continue to be. So, you know, at the moment, 
as it stands right now, those biosecure bubbles remain intact and the player's yeah. safety is as good as it can possibly be under that under that situation. But, you know, from the inside looking out, it must be it must be quite frightening and I can only imagine what it's like on the outside in India mm-hmm. at the moment. We are so lucky to be in a position where we can stand around a table and talk cricket to each other and, and, and you know, follow the game that we love. But, yeah, it, it could be a situation that in two weeks that we're looking at a very, very different picture. Yeah. Well, look, hopefully not the case from a cricketing perspective. And let's finish with a cricketing um, perspective. Lippy, I'll come uh, to you first. You're changing your predictions at this early stage of the tournament or are you going to stick with uh, the, the names that you've got written down in your top four? Well, I think I'm going to stick with, with them for now. I jumped ship very early. I mean, if I was going to do anything, I'd be I'd be getting CSK in there probably for KKR. I think the other three teams I had in there, Mumbai, RCB and Delhi Capitals were... Are, are sitting in a, in a reasonable position, even though Mumbai's you know not doing it as as well as we might have thought so. But yeah, I, I, CSK is really making a case, and, and I, I at this stage it's hard to see them missing out on the playoffs. So look, if I'm gonna have if I had to pick again, they the, those top three sides and and CSK would would be my sides. But as I said, KKR is one of the sides that I don't I I think doesn't have to panic because there's still time for them because there is a lot of talent in that squad. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to – I've only got one mulligan to take, but I need to take two at the moment because I had the Sunrisers to finish fourth. I had the Royals to finish fifth. But with those injuries to the Royals, they're, they're pushing the proverbial uphill. CSK have been fantastic. If they keep this form up, they will finish in the top four. They look like a top four side, uh, whereas last year we had a lot of sides that didn't quite look like top four sides mm. battling it out against each other and taking points off each other. But at this stage, I'd have to say I need to take a mulligan on the Sunrisers and have the CSK um, outfit that is performing so well. They just look like a Stephen Fleming side. They just look like they're better than their some of their parts. Um, so if I can take my mulligan now, yeah, I might take it and have CSK in the top uh, in the top four, and then everyone slides down. I think you know, Royals slide down, Sunrisers slide down, KKR are about five or sixth, uh, and the Kings are at the bottom. Binksy? Yeah, look, uh, for me, I, I think, look, no surprise that I, I didn't really put a massive amount of science, science into my uh, <laughs> predictions um, first up. The one thing I'm definitely going to do, though, is um, I, I am going to take my mulligan. And, and the simple reason that I'm going to do that is that um, Ben Stokes and Joffrey Archer are out of that Rajasthan Royals um, side so that they've got to disappear out of my uh, top four <laughs> and look whoever I had in fifth can uh, can bump up a place and I think we've that was CSK scared. you had yeah, CSK, CSK. Yep. so you've so, still got RCB to miss the playoffs then um, I, look I'm a, I, I don't want to take two mulligans because I'm not okay. that guy but I am going to take <laughs> uh, one mulligan and I'm going to I'm going to ditch the Royals um, but yeah to, to your I don't think I'm, I'm panicking yet about Dre Russ and the Knight Riders. I, I, they're a well-coached outfit with uh, Baz McCollum um, and Owen Morgan at the helm. They've still got that embarrassment of overseas riches. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get lucky again. Yeah, I, 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 he's, he's got to get in there. But I guess the pitches haven't really necessarily been conducive to, to that. But, um, look, I'm sure he'll come into it um, at some point. So that would be my only change. Well, guys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Raj, hope you're back with us next um, Sunday or Monday as we record. We'll obviously talk a little bit of IPL, hopefully about the cricket um, as we lead into that, but also um, plenty of other stuff uh, coming up on the radar as well. We'll probably delve back in to that South African story as it unfolds as well. 
But for now, if you do want to dip back into the back catalogue, really urge you to have a listen to the interview that we did with Fados Munda. Gives a really good account of what's going on in South African um, cricket and a lot of that um, coming true um, as we speak now. But it's public holiday here in uh, New Zealand. I'm off to watch a bit of IPL and uh, um, make sure I have a New Zealand beer or a British beer before I go to bed. I don't want to wake up Australian. Um, So thanks for listening. Good night. God bless. (laughs) 